Welcome back to QAV TK at 5.36. We're recording this on the 13th of September. What is it? 2022, 2.38 in the PM. How are you, TK? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You're looking knocked around. (laughs) I am knocked around. I got tagged a few times at uh, Kung Fu on the weekend. Tony and I have just been uh, ranting about the Queen and other things for 40 minutes (laughs) off air. I thought we'd better sit down and record an actual show. My big news I want to open this week's show with, Tony, is uh, Ralph Macchio, the karate kid, is 60. And and why is that good news? Well, I didn't say it's good news, it's big news, because oh, that makes him, older, makes him older than you, and he's doing karate on television. <laughs> Have you seen how good he looks? He looks like he's 40, this guy. Okay, cool. Well, he's a Hollywood star. Well. And I'm a... On air podcaster, so there's a bit of a difference in their genes. <laughs> when he made the Karate Kid in 1984, he was 22 and he was playing a 15 year old. Now he's 60 and he's playing a, I don't know how old his character's supposed to be, but he looks 40, 45. The woman he's married to is his wife on the, the actress who plays his wife on the show. Have you seen Cobra Kai yet? No. Oh, it's great. You're missing out. It's great. Okay. Well, but uh, she's like 40, the actress who plays his wife. He's 60. But he's looking good. I got to hand it to him. He's looking good. That's pretty standard Hollywood, Hollywood fare, though, isn't it? Well, it is. Like the yes. male, the male never marries an older female. It's always the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Ralph, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, and be you know dating twenty year olds, and he was seventy. Yeah. So what's what's the point of the story? You're gonna, uh, if I do karate, I'll look like a forty year old. That's it. Or marry gotta, a forty year old. You got to do more karate if you want to look good, like <laughs> Ralph Macchio. <laughs> I'm looking at you, mate. You got a busted lip, <laughs> bruises everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you should see the rest of my body. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I've got no nipples left because we were training today and we were we were we were doing this technique with our slamming our elbows into people's chests. Chrissy was sparring with me and she kept hitting my nipples with her very pointy, razor sharp elbows. Just sheared them right off, bleeding. I'm like David Bowie in uh, the Man Who Fell to uh, Earth. Yeah, you know, right. Just, just no nipples. Sorry for that visual, everybody. That freaked me out when I was a kid, that scene in Man Who Fell to Earth when I was about I know, 14. right? Yeah, it still freaks me out when I watch it. All right, well, enough about that. I guess you gather you're not interested. <laughs> Following up on our musings on last week's episode about which stocks have been driving up the ASX over the last six months, I ran a report on stock docs. I don't know why I didn't think of that when we were doing the show the other day. It took me like one minute. And uh, I don't know if you had a look at it, but... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, like uh, these stocks that are driving the ASX up. I haven't heard of most of them. I don't think they are driving. I had a look at what you did, by the way. I don't think they are driving driving the ASX up. No? Well, they're up. Yeah, they are, but, but their contribution to the market cap is really small. Right. New Hope Corporation is on the list. Yeah, but it's... But like, I, so okay, so what I did in response to what you did was to do another download, but also include the market cap. That's smart, yeah. And then get the weighting of the market, that share in the market cap multiplied by the contribution. So Newcorp, if you do that market weighted contribution, contributed like 0.18%. So did you work out what's driving the performance of the All Lords? I'd say nearly half of it's CSL. Wow, really? Which contributes... 0.88%, that's the biggest, and then something called Pilbara Mine, or, yeah, Pilbara Minerals is 0.39. But we're only talking about, like, over the last six months, my analysis is saying the All Lords is up 2.8% on an accumulated basis, which is similar to what Navex is saying for STW. I think it's saying 25 And 
I had a couple of fudges in my analysis because I'm using Stock Doctor for the last six months price change. And I don't know whether that's like today, six months from today or from the closing of last month or whatever. So it's going to be out, out slightly compared to Nevexa because when I ran the Nevexa report, it was today, six months ago, like the 13th of March up to the 13th of September. And plus the dividend yield in Stock Doctor just gives you the annual. So I had to do a fudge and just divide it by two, right it to the the capital gain as well. So I think that's, you know, a fudge and it's slightly out. But anyway, I'm getting 2.8% for the all odds and Novex is 25 for the last six months. So they're in the same ballpark. But when you market weight it, like there's a whole lot of ones which are just up a little bit. Like I said, the biggest one, CSL 0.88% on a market weighted basis. So it's up 14.5% plus a dividend. So 15% roughly over the last six months. But then when you Blended into the all laws, it's up less than one. It's contributing less than one percent. Whitehaven Coal, 0.36 percent. Mineral Resources, 0.36 percent. So there's been some big moves, but yeah, it's just up. It's up 2.5 to 2.8 percent. Most of it's dividends, actually, to be honest. And if we and we don't have CSL in our portfolio, so that drags us down. Plus, I expect I haven't analysed our portfolio. We've had a lot of chopping and churning and a lot of rule ones. So I think that's probably part of it as well. The um stock that came up the top of my list is WYX Western Yilgarn NL up four and a half thousand percent in the last six months. You got that one in your portfolio? No, it's not even appearing. So it's not appearing in the ASX 200 when I pull it out. <laughs> out of stock doctor. WYX? WYX. No, not part of the ASX 200. Yeah, it's a sea of red in Stock Doctor too. When you look at their financials, negative operating cash flow, negative return on assets, negative return on <laughs> equity, but their share price is up four and a half thousand percent in the last six months. Now it's trading at sixteen cents, so you know. Yeah, and what's its market cap though? Oh uh, well, it's huge. It's uh, one thousand five hundred and seventy-three dollars, average daily <laughs> traded. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's not going to even if it was in the ASX 200, it's not going to contribute much to the improvement in the ASX 200. It was trading at 0.003 cents back in May. Now it's trading at 16 cents. So congratulations to anybody that got in on yeah. that. Their uh, mineral exploration <laughs> company focusing on bauxite located in Western Australia. So there you go. So the uh, the NL usually means it's a Netherlands company, doesn't it? North Perth is where its head office is. Okay, well, I don't know why it's got the NL after its name then. Formerly Pacific Bauxite NL. Yeah, I don't know about that. But anyway, so having a look at these lists of these companies that have been performing well, is there anything to be gained for us from that or is it just uh, not our game? Yeah, not our game. I mean, it's an interesting analysis to do. Like I said, I think CSL and maybe one or two other ones, mineral resources, have um, have done well and we don't own them. But that's always going to be the case. So, And like we said, I think, in the VEXA, I think from memory, it's the ASX awards, uh, sorry, ASX 200 accumulation index is up 2.5% and we're down, I think, around three. So but it's a short-term comparison. It's And there are going to be periods when we underperform. It's the long-term that's the important thing. All right. No problem. I just thought I'd throw that up there for conversation. Uh, you sent me something during the week, the making of a millionaire study. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I do. I thought that was really interesting and, and people might find it interesting too. So Found it on the interwebs, and uh, it's if people want to read it, they can just Google the making of a 
millionaire.com. So it's a US study. It's a study of over 10,000 US millionaires, and it was done a couple of years ago, November 2017 to January 2018, and was looking for commonalities between America's millionaires, but a couple of interesting things. So the person who wrote the article went into the into the analysis thinking that aren't most millionaires just inheriting their money, but that's not the case. So 79% of the millionaires in the States receive no inheritance money, 21% receive some, not enough to make them a millionaire, and only 3% inherited more than a million dollars. So, you know, being born into a rich family was um, one pathway to wealth, but not the overarching pathway to wealth. A couple of other things that came out of the study, most are most millionaires attending college? Yes. So only 38% of the general population graduated from college, which I thought find, find quite amazing anyway as a, as a stat. But a whopping 88% of American millionaires did. So quite a skew towards attending college. And I think that bears out in the next one. So that there is an even stronger correlation between higher education and wealth building. And then the person doing the analysis says, but what about the cost of college? But apparently 62% of the millionaires in the study graduated from public state schools, while only 8% went to a private school. And if people don't know the gap between that in America, a, a private Higher education can cost sort of fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year in the states versus a lot less for the the public state schools. So again, that's um, to me that some of these things are kind of self-evident after the fact. So it would make sense to me that if you're not inheriting money, you're going to college and getting a good job, and then becoming a millionaire, you're probably not going to saddle yourself with a lot of debt to go to college. So that makes a lot of sense to me. The ones that are saddling themselves with debt, bearing that load, and it's it's impeding their ability to to earn money. So it's not about the degree itself. The top five most common careers of millionaires surveyed were engineer, CPA accountant, teacher, management, and attorney. So most of those are professional careers. The survey is saying, though, that they're not, they're not people who are earning a large amount of money. Only 31% of the participant salaries averaged $100,000 a year or more. So, you know, two-thirds or more were less than 100000 In fact, one third of participants never made a six-figure salary at any point in their career. So how did they become millionaires? Well, 93% reported their wealth is a result of hard work, not because they had a big salary. Eight out of 10 invested in their in America called their 401k, which is like our super fund, so, which would be probably eight out of 10 in Australia for sure. But three out of four invested independently in addition and said that they regularly, consistently invested over a long period of time, and that led to their success. 94% said they live on less than they make, and almost 75% reported they had never carried a credit card balance in their lives. They potentially had credit cards, but paid them off every So this all rings, rings true to me. Other notable mentions are that million, many of the millionaires reported intentionally watching expenses, spending less than $200 a month at restaurants, and using coupons to save money when shopping. So what does it mean? I think you know, it rings true for me. It rings true with a book I read many years ago called The Millionaire Next Door, which I'd recommend to people. Again, it was a similar sort of survey, funnily enough, done commissioned by one of the big brands, prestige brands in Europe. I think it was Louis Vuitton or one of those type of, of brands, but I, I could have that wrong. And they wanted to know more about the people who they thought who thought they thought were buying their product, but it turns out most millionaires were living next door and driving a Subaru and were quietly going about their lives uh, amassing money for their retirement. And that's 
that struck me as being the type of people who are listening to our podcast as well and certainly how I did it. Just earn a decent wage, certainly. Some of our listeners run their own businesses and, and have money to invest from time to time from that. But um, but yeah, start young, invest, keep it up. Don't be bold. Don't. One of the things about the study was saying that people haven't just put it all into one stock. They've invested and spread their risk a bit have a system and, and keep going. And that's, that's you know, going to get you to the Millionaire Club, which is, um, you know, it's uh, it's something we all aspire to, I guess. But it, there's no sort of trick in there. It wasn't inherited. It's just slow and steady. And and the other point is it didn't happen overnight. So it's slow and steady winning the race, which we has been m- my experience and, and now borne out by survey. And living relatively simply while you're on the journey, saving as much as you can, investing as much as you can. Yeah, that's right. And, and well, you know me, I'm not driving around in Ferraris. And I mean, we have a great lifestyle and we do eat out and drive a good car and have a beach house and go overseas for holidays and things. So we're probably past the age of scrimping and saving. But for a long time, Jenny and I would travel when we had a work reason to travel and try and fit a holiday around that. Didn't have an extravagant lifestyle. We always live within our means. We still do. Our credit cards are paid off every month. And I basically run credit cards now for the quarter frequent flyer point so I can take flights and not pay for them. So yeah, it's um, I guess you pay for it indirectly because of this, the merchant service fees. But um, anyway, yeah, it's pretty much how we how we did it. And it's just it's just being smart over the years and not trying to be extravagant. And you know the hacks because you invented frequent flyers, didn't you? You build a card system. <laughs> well, not frequent flyers. Fly, uh, not, I didn't invent it. Flybys. I came on after, just after it started, the day it started. Yeah, you know all the secret backdoors and the hacks. <laughs> Well, one of the hacks is don't use your points for flights because that's the worst redemption. Really? Yeah. So occasionally I do, you know, when something's on sale, I'll buy some of their merchandise, which is the best redemption. But yeah, I mean, I, I still generally just through laziness don't want to pay for flights. So I'll try and do points plus play when I can. And that's pretty frequent. She's talking about living simply while you're on the journey to becoming rich. You've been rich for a long time. You still live much to um, Hunter and Taylor's disgust, you still live relatively <laughs> <laughs> simply. Well, you should have seen you should have seen Hunter's eyes when he walked into the apartment, though. He was like, he, wow. It was his first time. He hadn't been before. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, Taylor had. My boys uh, caught up with Tony in Sydney last week. Yeah, but they're always like, oh, just get Tony to buy a Lamborghini and take photos in front of the Lamborghini. That's your QAV marketing right there. I'm like, yeah, he's not going to do that. <laughs> no. And it's not, it's not the way to riches. It really isn't. But even after you've, you've had wealth, you still don't like that kind of stuff. You I don't, no. sneer at it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, again, like it's – I mean, I, I give myself the indulgence of driving a, a Merc and changing it over every four or five years. But, um, like, it's like the question you asked me when I, I told you I drank an expensive bottle of wine. Like, how much better is it than a cheaper bottle of wine? Like, you're already driving a Merc. What's a what's a Maserati gonna or a Ferrari gonna do for me, really? Yeah, it's really a, it's an ego thing, right? It has to be. It is, yeah. And plus, the worst stereotype you can see is a sixty year old guy driving around in a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, probably Ralph Macchio drives around in a Ferrari. <laughs> well, in Cobra Kai, he owns a luxury car dealership. That's his yeah, job, right. right? He has to. Well, good article. Uh, so yeah, that's the making of a millionaire dot com. If you want to look that up and read it for yourself. More news. Congrats to QAV Club member, longtime QAV Club member Murray Bruce for his performance in the warm-up Mooloola Bar Ironman the other day, and he's heading off to Kona in Hawaii. He placed 111th out of 1,000 blokes 
four hours and 30 minutes it took him to do his marathon, his uh, Ironman. So well done, Murray. I won't say who tipped us off, but it was Richard. Good luck in Hawaii. I hope you get your cell alerts while you're over there because uh, you don't want to take your eye off the ball right now. I don't care what you're doing. But that's impressive. Ironman Murray. That's incredible. Well done, Murray. He puts it all down to QAV. He said QAV made him the Iron Man he is today. So there you go. Or gave him the time to, to spend training. That's what it was. <laughs> he listens to the podcast when he's training, I believe. That gives him the motivation to uh, keep going. Well, he can be the Ralph Macchio of QAV. <laughs> <laughs> Portfolio updates. Well, gee. Well, we're still, I mean, we're doing okay. We're up. The dummy portfolio is up as it was last week. Not much has changed. We're up a couple of points. I'm still lagging behind the sexy for this financial year. But, uh, you know, I think we're still two and a half times better since inception than the ASX 200. So, but yeah, we're, we're still, it's going to be a struggle to catch up this financial year unless something big happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got 10 months. Yeah, we've got plenty of time, but, um, but I'm not worried. Again, I'm not worried. It's short term. That's just how things have gone. We don't own CSL. CSL's done well. That's, it's going to happen. It's the revenge of, uh, what's that, Rudy? Our, um, our <laughs> yeah, Rudy. Yeah, Arena. yeah, yeah. Who was Some plugging CSL. CSL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were <laughs> laughing at him because it was like <laughs> massively overvalued from where we sit. So this financial year, we're up 1.94% CAGA. The Sexy 200 is up uh, 12.57%. By the way, I've, I've been speaking to this new portfolio, Aussie portfolio platform called Gnosis, N-O-S-I-S, who want us to move over to their platform. And they don't have CAGA. And I said, well, I'd need CAGA. And they go, okay, we'll implement CAGA. And then they looked at Nevexa and they said, well, that's not CAGA. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, no, well, that's that's where, you know, we've, we just did the CAGA and that's not CAGA. It doesn't look the same as our CAGA. I was like, really? He goes, no, if it's a CAGA, it should all be smoothed out. Yours isn't smoothed out. It's all over the place. So uh, I don't know. He's going to do a CAGA comparison and then we'll have to figure out who does the best CAGA. Yeah, okay. It's like a, with a CAGA. We'll have a CAGA while we look at the CAGA. <laughs> In the last uh, one year, Tony... The dummy portfolio is up, no, is down 5.78%, and the Sexy 200 is uh, up 0.53%. So it hasn't been a good year for the dummy portfolio. It hasn't been, but it's not It's not terrible. Like it's it's 5%, 6% below the all odds. And, and like I said, we've had a lot of churn in Rule one out a lot of things. We had the iron ore sell-off end of last year, which is probably the main reason for it, but anyway. So in the words of uh, Catherine Tate, you're not bothered. Am I bothered? Do I look bothered to you? <laughs> no, Do, does I look right. bothered? I'm not bothered. You're not bothered? <laughs> no. I'd like it to be better and it will get better, but I'm not bothered, no. Well, as I said, since inception, we're two and a half times, doing two and a half times the sexy 200, so that's what matters. I'm sure we will we will recover. What else do you want to talk about before we get into Q&A, TK? Yeah, so uh, making people aware of the interest rate, interest rate rises that happened last week. So I think you put out something to people to tell them to update their spreadsheets. But yeah, there's been two cells that need to be updated in my spreadsheet and I guess in the um, Flipman model, which is the 
RBA rate rise, which affects our IV calculations, and the I've taken the um, a survey of the banks and the mortgage rates are up, which affects the dividend, the hurdle rate for dividends that we want. Two changes there. Just did a quick, I'm going to call it commodity corner here because I did a quick run through of commodities because I've been checking them because uh, oil is close to a sell, but it, it seems to be holding up at the moment, but it's only a couple of bucks off a sell. So I've been focusing on watching Brent oil for that. Iron ore dropped below a sell yesterday, but I think today it's just above that sell line again. So it's um, back to being a buy, but uh, it's pretty, it may well drop again. Buy or Josephine? It's sorry, yeah, it won't be a buy. It's it's just not a sell, so it's still a Josephine for sure. It'll take a long time for iron ore to be a buy. I think everyone would have sold all their iron ore stocks when it was a sell a while back, and it's gonna it's a long way from being a buy again. So don't get excited, everybody. Yeah, steel is a sell. I'm having a look at nickel, and it's it's um it looks like it's no longer a Josephine. So we have nickel as a fudge sell based on a two year cycle, but the longer term. Five-year graph is still a buy, but again, it's it's not really a second buy line again, so it's it's something to watch, but it may become a buy soon. Are you saying it's Nickelback? Nickel's back, yeah, Nickelback. Nickelback? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a Nickelback song to sing, and I, honest to God, do not know a single Nickelback song. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a Nickelback song. All I know of Nickelback is it's a punchline. That's it all is, I know yeah. about Nickelback. <laughs> Most hated band in the world, yeah. <laughs> So a few interesting things to watch. It's a good time to keep an eye on commodities, people. A couple of other things. So JHG is is back to being a buy again. It, just as Janus Henderson Group, it was a sell last week. It's back to being a buy again. But I wanted to talk in detail about one called Terracom, T-E-R is the code. And it looks interesting. So it's it's been showing a qualified audit in our buy list for a while. And so we haven't included it. But when I did a bit of a uh, a deep dive into it in the last few days. And I did that because it came back onto our buy list, except for the fact that it has a qualified audit, which is something I check from time to time. And its stock price is, has um, taken off in the last couple of, well, the last week, I suppose, since its results came out. So when I had a look, the qualified audit was from the last year's full results, which is when they do an audit. The current numbers are unaudited. So that's um, something we have to be aware of. But the qualified audit was based on a material uncertainty for going concern. And the question was raised because of the fact that current liabilities exceeded current assets by some $250 million. And so the auditors were concerned, as was management, that uh, they may have problems if they didn't refinance. But in the current half, that, that, that gap has reduced from $250 million to $27 million. And the total assets exceed total liabilities by a wide margin. So I'm guessing they either refinanced or got their their uh, shit together in, in terms of um, financing anyway. They haven't come out and with another audit report yet because the half yearly results aren't audited. But it looks like it's out of the woods. So people might want to have a look at it. I'm tempted to remove the qualified audit. And the QAV score, if you do that, is 0.38. And it's a high ADT of 3.6 million. So... And certainly, it's it's the market thinking it's okay now because the, the share price has turned up. So that's T-E-R, Terracom, yeah, if people want to look at it, T-E-R. Yep. So that's pretty much me for the week. And I've got a pulled pork request from Nick on ALO, which I'll go through now. So ALO, interesting one. Thanks, Nick, for bringing this to our attention. ALO is a Loglo, a Loggio group, sorry, like an Italian name. I'm not sure why, a Loggio group. Small 
company, market cap of $35 million, small ADT of $8,700. So this won't suit a lot of people. But um, thanks to Nick, it, it uh, needs to come to our attention. So it should have been added to the buy list before this when its results were released. So if people are using my spreadsheet, they need to add ALO to the manually entered data sheet because it's a company which wasn't part of that before. It's only fairly newly listed and um, maybe to the Flipman model. It has been in the official buy list that we put out each week for a few weeks. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. In fact, I added it to one of our portfolios a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, my download didn't pick it up. Okay. So that's good. Small ADT. The company is a manager of four-star hotels and short-term rentals, and it's based in Newcastle. And it um, has properties under management from Noosa down to the Great Ocean Road. So it's it's spanning a lot of holiday destinations. Things to be aware of, I guess, the management have highlighted the risks uh, in that if there's another COVID downturn, they'll be affected. People can't move around and take holidays. And they are having this, I guess, well, I'll call them normal supply chain issues due to COVID, but uh, they're probably abnormal in the longer term. But um, they are highlighting these risks. I guess staff would be an issue for them as well. So a small company, there are some risks, but uh, on the numbers, really attractive. So I'm doing my analysis at a price of $0.16. And there's no broker coverage for this, which is something I like because it gives us a bit of an edge that there's no competition in there investigating the company. So I can't give um, uh, a consensus forecast or a consensus IB for this. And there's no dividend, so it doesn't score for yield. But it does score under Stock Doctor for Financial Health. It's strong and recovering. And recovering is one that we like, so it scores a two. That uh, The price to operating cash flow is really reasonable with this one four times, so it's great for that. We can calculate IV1, which is only $0.06, cents, so it doesn't score for that. And it just misses out on net equity per share plus 30%, so price to book plus 30%, which comes out at $0.14 cents per share, but the share price is $0.16, so it doesn't score for that. Scores really well for owner-founder, so directors hold 34% of this company, which is really good. And on the manually entered data, we only have a couple of halves of data, but it is the lower of the two PEs. It's not a new upturn. It's been around for a little bit, although it's kind of borderline because it looks like it, it became a buy back in June, which is close to the end of the financial year. It does have increasing equity, again, but only for two halves, but we'll score it for that. So just based on a few of the, the metrics we look at, the quality is actually over 100%, 109% because of a couple of the scores are getting twos rather than ones. And overall, a QAV score of 0.27. So thank you to uh, to Nick for pointing it out. But uh, if people have a small amount to invest, they should have a look at ALO. Very good. Thank you, Tony. I just got one more note to tell a rule one anecdote. So I got a sell alert from Stock Doctor this morning for a stock called REG. And when I had a look at it, I noticed that it had plunged through its rule one sell trigger and hit its three-point trend line trigger, uh, sell line trigger. And I was like, oh, holy hell, how did I miss that? Then I went to I went to check it and realized I actually did sell it a couple of weeks ago when it hit its rule one alert. Anyway, I just forgotten to remove the three-point because I have two alerts always in Stock Doctor, right? Yep. But here's my point. It had I sold it when it hit the rule one and it's fallen another like 10% since then. So people are always telling us about rule one sells where they turn around and go back up. I just want to point out 
that that isn't always the case. Sometimes rule one does save your bacon, but you just probably don't pay attention to those as much. I know Glenn or somebody did an analysis recently. I think it's in the notes today, actually, we'll be talking about, he might be our Quaverick of the week talking about rule one cells. But yeah, that was one instance where I was like, oh, thank God I solved that a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Does Quaverick of the week win an F14 <laughs> from uh, behind enemy lines? Yeah, you know, you have to you have to crash crash it into enemy lines and then somehow escape miraculously unharmed. Luckily, it's fully fueled, ready to go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and nobody noticed when you were running across the field to get in it and taking it off. No one tried to shoot you down or hey, but hey, you. After the rest of your airfield had just been bombed. Luckily, that one didn't get bombed. And no one thought that. No one thought on the other side to fly it, and all all <laughs> heard these two massive jet engines firing up. <laughs> Well, it was warming up, yeah. Completely plausible. <laughs> Don't think too hard. It's a Top Gun film. <laughs> All right, questions of the week. First one's from Mark. Hi, Cam. What criteria should we use to look at Renko charts? Still five-year monthly? Yeah, so it is, but I'm still playing around with Renko charts and in Stock Doctor anyway. If you look at a five-year monthly for a company, it, it'll give you like maybe only a few number of bars because all it's doing is taking the all time period, like the longest data it has, doing a Renko chart and then just giving you the last five years. And if the last five years hasn't moved around much, you might get only one box in it. So it does make more sense in Stock Doctor at least to look when you when you select Renko chart, it usually defaults to all gives you a long time period. That's what I've been using to look at these stocks. I haven't had much fiddling around with commodities yet, but stocks. And then if you select five years, it gives you just a couple of boxes. So it should be five-year monthly. I haven't worked out how to do that in Stock Doctor yet, but at the moment, so I'm using all, which may be better. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., uh, sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Um, check that out too. Um, it's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, uh, you know, while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. That's it. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. 
And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. 